Hello, everybody, and welcome to Z Prime on the Grid. It's our show about issues concerning the energy industry. I'm your host, Dylan Lockwood. Uh, I've got a special co-host today. Uh, it's called Giant Drill. There's a giant drill that's breaking up rocks in a lot next to the place I record this. So uh, if, if you hear a bit of that, I apologize. But my for real actual co-host, Aaron Hardick, research analyst, is standing by as well. How are you doing today, Aaron? Oh, I'm doing well, Dylan. I'm ready to get this week going. I know that it's the beginning of the week and I'm just ready to, to start working. I feel like sometimes during the summer, um, I can get in a little bit of a slump and not want to do too much, just kind of want to lay around and go to the pool. Um, but I'm ready to ready to work this week and be productive. We have with us today Senior Vice President of Advanced Metering Infrastructure at Eclara, Kumi Hermatalakar. How are you today? I'm good. Um, I would rather also sit by the pool as well. Uh, Erin, that sounds really good. Um, So good morning. Um, Happy to participate um, in this podcast. Um, I wanted to give a little bit background um, in terms of what I do um, in more simple terms. Um, Aclara helps electric gas and water utilities modernize uh, their grid infrastructure to address coastal challenges that they face um, in a new grid paradigm. Um, this includes um, increased penetration of renewables um, coupled with aging infrastructure, which adds a layer of uh, complexity and stretches the utility's ability to maintain um, the stability of the grid uh, with the existing infrastructure and control systems. Consumers um, have come to expect a certain level of service uh, from their power providers, at a minimum, uh, reliable and affordable power. Um, But those expectations are also changing in terms of how they are consuming uh, that energy today. So we really partner with utilities to modernize the distribution grid so that they can monitor the grid on a real-time basis and make subsequent adjustments to maintain the stability and deliver reliable and affordable power to their customers. So Kumi, uh, you're working a lot with grid digitalization stuff, uh, AMI, which is you know a piece of it. And, and so when you're working with utilities on, um, on moving into a more digital space, uh, do you th- do you find that they're that they're updating the grid with a vision in mind of what a future of what a future utility and a future grid looks like, or do you think it's being done piecemeal as new problems arise, kind of like a digitalization whack a mole? I, I guess that's a really fancy way of saying. Do you do you find that digitalization is a more proactive or reactive process? Um, Today, based on the conversations um, and some of the research uh, that we've done in the past summer, a majority of the utilities really understand the need to modernize the grid and have a vision in mind. However, I would say the execution is more of a roadmap, varies from utility to utility, and it's more of a -a vacuum-a-mole process. So one of the reasons for this is that the grid infrastructure and the operating system spans 
decades of uh, development. Um, grid monetization has not been centrally planned, and the applications have been mostly incrementally adopted as they offer value, but not necessarily completely integrated. It is common for utilities to use specific technologies for individual applications, and as a result, have a whole host of different solutions that are not necessarily tightly coupled. So then what's missing? How do we tie all these things in together? So there's a real opportunity to look at the problem more holistically and consider a more comprehensive approach to grid modernization. So now that the utilities have a vision, the next step is developing a roadmap to execute that vision. And that roadmap has to take into consideration existing assets, budgets, priority um, applications, and emerging needs um, of the utility, like grid reliability, resiliency, renewable integration, power quality, integration of um, electric vehicle infrastructure, etc. Utilities also need to find partners who can help them execute that vision and that roadmap in a more integrated fashion. Also, since the market is so dynamic, utilities need to find solutions that are flexible and scalable that evolve with the future needs as well. Yeah, I think to that point, the thing that's interesting about utilities is, Dylan, a lot of them we're seeing are in such different places when it comes to digitalization within their organization and different utilities in different areas of the country may be focusing on certain areas within their organization that they want to digitalize first. Um, And so going back to what Kumi was talking about, right now we're really just seeing organizations prioritize certain aspects of their companies and making them digital based off um, certain ways that they're assigning values to products and services or resiliency, um, energy efficiency. So I think a lot of different utilities are valuing um, digitalization within their organizations differently. And so it's creating this um, this state in the market where there's not really this one holistic approach quite yet um, that utilities can look to and kind of say, this is where we are right now. This is what we know we want to achieve. And this is how we're going to get there. Right now, I think they just say, this is what we think we want to achieve. And these are a few things that we've done to get there. We're not quite sure how to make this more of a holistic approach across the organization. Yeah, Kumi, you said that... Uh... You said that utilities now have a vision. So what kind of is that vision? What what does the utility of the future look like? So um, the basic architecture of the grid, um, and so I'm going back and then going forward, the basic architecture of the grid has not changed probably in the past 100 years. And until probably the past decade, there has not been a major need for uh, improvements. Most people take the uninterrupted 
supply of electricity to their homes uh, for granted, like having indoor plumbing or central heating during the winter. But if you consider the technical challenges of generating, delivering, and nearly instantaneously consuming that electricity, the power grid is one of the greatest technology advancements um, of the 20th century. However, that grid is starting to show its age with these new challenges. Uh, mostly economics are driving the increasing penetration of renewables uh, based on DOE data, the cost of utility scale solar PV has fallen over 60% uh, from 2008 to 2015. In the same time frame, lithium-ion battery costs have come down by almost 65%. And Navigant is forecasting that renewable generation will overtake traditional power generation in 2018. So this is presenting a set of unique grid challenges and leading to increasing frequency of outages. So that means utilities have to be ready for an environment where the landscape will change from a very centralized grid, uh, where electricity will flow from central um, generators to a whole lot of customers to a distributed grid with two-way power flow. This means we will need to transition from a stable power supply with centralized control to a more fluctuating sub supply influenced by weather, uh, such, such as the sun and wind, and have limited control over that supply. So that means the future smart grid will allow the utility to observe and control at a higher resolution and frequency. In this transition, both the physical and the digital infrastructure will come into play. It will allow the utility to deliver sustainable, more reliable, and high quality and cost-effective power to their customers. Uh, what have you seen uh, utilities doing now to kind of work towards this vision? And how has the shift in priorities affected their metrics of success? So most utilities that we talk to are participating in some sort of grid modernization effort, but the majority of the solutions deploy cover very wide range. Uh, according to a research study we conducted this summer, roughly 11 to 36 percent of the utilities are in the discovery phase, and 28 to 54 percent are deploying grid modernization incrementally. The applications that they are deploying today are driven by two major criteria, and that is policy and the return on investment. The combination of policy and ROI can impact the speed of adoption, and then rate case approvals can also accelerate adoption by guaranteeing recovery um, costs for the utility. 
So the reliability standards adopted by utilities include metrics for permanent or uh, momentary outages uh, like SADI and KADI, and many state regulators are taking advantages of these standards to create performance-based rates. Um, roughly 20 or more states have adopted a combination of targets, uh, reporting metrics, rewards, or fines for reliability in their states. Improving power quality is also becoming increasingly important as the loads on the grid become more sensitive to voltage and reactive power quality. Reducing power quality events can reduce damage to both utility and customer assets, so that is also driving some strong return on investment. So today's utility grid modernization efforts are all about delivering greater reliability in a cost-effective manner to their customers, as well as automating distribution equipment. At the top of that list is fault uh, location isolation and service restoration, driven by reliability and power quality applications uh, for both uh, and investment returns. At the core of delivering greater automation and real-time control is the ability to communicate among the key assets on the grid. As a result, advanced metering infrastructure is a foundation for understanding what is happening on the grid real-time. If you can read a meter on the edge of the distribution grid, you can read any other asset on the grid but not all communication networks are created equal. Uh, distribution automation applications require ultra-low latency and the ability to prioritize critical applications. So when utilities are evaluating AMI and plan to leverage the AMI for distribution automation applications, they also have to look at the suitability of the communications architecture for current and emerging DA applications. While Slither and power quality applications are on top of mind for utilities today, utilities are also planning for emerging applications. Oh, like what? What applications? The areas where utilities see growing, uh, growing in importance include distributed renewable integration, energy storage integration, electric vehicle infrastructure, and microgrid integration. Information from these distributed assets, such as DERs, will help build a more complete picture of the grid, but also require much more connected and integrated ecosystem than what um, I think exists today. So utilities and their partners have to create a more comprehensive ecosystem of applications, sensors, and communications and data from those assets to effectively manage an increasing connected network of distribution assets. So that, I mean that's kind of what you're seeing them doing now. But uh, I, I've got a I've got a data point here from, uh, if I may say so, really good looking paper <laughs> uh, made by Z Prime and Aclara. Uh, it talks about 
how utilities feel now about where they're going into the distributed grid future. And uh, we've we've seen that less than 30% of utilities feel that their communication networks are very well uh, prepared for what's next with distributed automation and uh, distributed energy. And even though there's a vision like we're talking about, it seems like people aren't aren't necessarily on the pace that pace that they'd like to be, which I think kind of plays into this sort of proactive versus reactive uh, mindset. So uh, what do you think utility, what do you think utilities can do to kind of uh, accelerate or at least stop the deceleration of the, of their digitalization processes? How, how can you, I guess, make the pitch to uh, pitch to invest in, 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 in a big infrastructure change, if maybe in your specific region right now, you, it doesn't necessarily address a problem you have right at the second. I think uh, it starts with the vision and also finding the partners that can help them get there with the right roadmap and pacing and investment. So in addition to envisioning what is next, it's really important to understand what you're going to do today and how your organization will make the transition between today and the future. So what existing technologies leverage today? Where do do your current technologies or solutions fall short? How will um, you use that existing technologies and new technologies and how do you integrate, um, you know, what you have today versus what you need tomorrow um, are some of the things that you have to consider as you assess your current system and also get it ready for the future. Um, it is also important that the utilities um, have partnerships with providers uh, of technologies to realize that future vision. Um, Technologies have to be scalable and very flexible um, because that environment is very dynamic. Um, Then the utility vision has to be done at a higher level um, and not um, you know, in silos within different departments within the utility so that the vision um, is executed in a phased approach uh, in a very integrated manner. I think what Kumi said around finding that partnership that really helps you understand um, the pace of investment should really resonate well with utilities. Dylan, the, the figure that you mentioned around the preparedness of communication networks, that's what you referenced, right? Yes. When it comes to communication networks, I think in particular within utilities, because they are playing such a large role um, in digitalization across the board. Um, When it comes to communication networks in particular, from what I've found talking to utilities is a lot of different organizations have a lot of different types of communication networks within their organization that serve different purposes um, and 
those communication networks within themselves are not integrated. So you have somebody using RF mesh for one thing and then maybe cellular for another thing. And but the, so they're using a lot of different networks. And so that creates integration issues in and of themselves. And then just to go back to something that I had referenced earlier, um, taking that into account, the different types of communication networks that organizations are dealing with and how to integrate them and get those to work together um, is also thinking about that different utilities want to do different things as they're evolving and digitalizing. So there are certain applications that are definitely um, going to be a high priority no matter what utility you are um, in terms of trying to get them integrated with as many applications like SCADA and AMI and, and OMS. Um, so thinking about how you're going to integrate those applications, but as you move forward into the next five to 10 years that to where you're not addressing your short-term needs as much. You need to think, these utilities should be thinking about um, their solution set and how it can grow um, five to 10 years from now when you want to start integrating more applications that traditionally aren't associated with um, power delivery quality um, and things like that. So that's that's definitely one of the big challenges for utilities right now is identifying, you know, really what do we need to do today? And then what could happen um, later on down the line that we should try to account for um, and hopefully our system can can do um, as that comes about. Right now, a lot of things are focusing on focus on AMI. Most utilities have AMI deployed in their service territory. Um, and so now it's thinking about what can we do now with that AMI data um, to, to improve both um, on the operational side and on the customer side. So I think right now it's really AMI focused, um, but it really could just go in a lot of different directions depending on where you, your utility is in the country, um, the legal environment regarding that area of the country, and, and then, yeah, how far along or how... Um, innovative your company is to just kind of keep on moving along. I think those are both great answers to the, the, the it kind of tackles the two half of, the, of that question that I had, because it's like Kumi said, it has to come from the top down with plan in mind. Otherwise, you're going to have this, this whack-a-mole scenario where that we talked about, and then you can end up in a situation where you've got all these disparate technologies that aren't well integrated with each and aren't able to communicate with each other because you didn't think you didn't think ahead with uh, on how that was going to suss itself out. And I also like the point you mentioned, Aaron, that um, the divide is kind of. I mean, we've been we we talked about this uh, recently with 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 Shay on on the show. We, the the trick is how much do we need to do to work on our existing infrastructure and how much do we need to focus on where, where our infrastructure needs to be in the future? So I think ultimately uh, there, you know, the, these, uh, these issues will be addressed because they'll have to be, but there is, there is a significant difference between um, addressing current needs and planning for the future and acknowledging that a plan needs to happen and then kicking the can down the road. And like you said, Kumi, I think ultimately having that, having that plan and being able to execute on it, uh, com that's a, you definitely need to have leadership on board with that. And people we talk to 
when we were uh, when we were doing interviews uh, for this paper, they all said the same thing. So uh, w- one thing I wanted to know because uh, Kumi, you talked you talked to me a little bit about this in a call we had. So I, I'm interested how this modernization and digitalization process uh, differs in the U.S. from other regions, because uh, you've you've done a little bit of work outside of the U.S. So I'm I'm curious if other regions have the same problems or have different or have di- or have different ways that they're approaching the grid of the future. What what have you noticed? Um, the broad drivers for grid modernization are similar, um, but uh, regions and countries, I would say, are at a different stage, uh, different stages in that evolution. Um, so, for example, North America and Europe, I would say, are pretty mature. Um, uh, for example, in North America, there was a large infrastructure investment starting in the late 2000s leading to increased adoption of smart metering. The next stage in that process is leveraging, upgrading that investment, as we mentioned, to build a more advanced smart grid that can support a number of applications, um, including reliability, power quality, um, and emerging applications such as renewable integration, energy storage, EVs, and microgrids. Um, In Europe, uh, the UK government's smart metering program um, aims to replace about 53 million legacy electricity and gas meters in over 30 million residences by 2020. This is one of the biggest um, UK infrastructure uh, projects uh, in recent history, and that is, you know, everywhere in the UK, it is not uh, done. Uh, by, uh, you know, specific utilities. The vision there is to equip every home with a smart meter, um, empowering the users to manage um, their energy consumption and also um, reduce carbon emissions. Um, so it is it will play an important role in UK's transition to a low-carbon economy um, and also help ensure affordable um, and a sustainable energy supply. Um, in Latin America, I would say that in early stages of uh, smart metering uh, deployments, some countries already have smart meters, um, but their drivers um, could be slightly different uh, based on the country. Uh, for example, in Chile, uh, the smart business case is mostly supported by high electric consumption per capita coupled with high electricity prices so it demands motivates um, demand a response and other low control strategies beyond metering and also the smart grid policies in those countries also encourage uh, distributed generation they're targeting 20 percent um, or more a non-conventional renewable energy consumption by uh, 2025. Um, they've also passed laws uh, recently uh, which encourage net metering um, and, and it's one of the most active um, uh, Latin American countries uh, developing electrical electric vehicle incentives. 
Um, Colombia, on the other hand, suffers relatively high uh, levels of non-technical losses, and this will be a major focus for smart metering programs um, in Colombia. They're lower, they're lower in electricity consum- consumption per capita, and that will limit um, some of the near-term opportunities for demand response benefits. Um, so therefore, um, they hope to achieve uh, the greatest benefits uh, by reducing um, uh, pest and other non-technical losses, uh, which makes a really good case for AMI at this point. Um, but uh, we expect, just like in North America, uh, to see advanced um, grid modernization efforts uh, um, including reliability and renewable integration in the future. Um, in some of the Asia-Pacific um, countries, um, um, in Southeast Asia, for example, I think they're just going um, through, um, you know, their um, regulators to get um, smart metering deployed. Um, that market is still nascent. Um, um, due to um, uh, the cost associated and the economics um, surrounding smart meter deployments. The way that we expect utilities to move towards a more decentralized uh, distributed grid and moving towards smarter technologies and smarter infrastructure, does that mean that someday, definitely not like in, in the next decade, maybe not even in our lifetimes, but does, does that mean that Eventually, we're going to get to a point where these uh, distribute where these distributed resources are going to create a sort of a global model, not a global grid, but a global model where basically you can run this kind of, this sort of localized system anywhere in the world, and these discrepancies between regions will shrink, or is the or is just the nature of different regions going to always create this kind of gulf? So in North America, there will be um, uh, some uh, sharing in terms of the marketplace. Um, We see that happening in California and some of the western states, Uh, but maybe an integrated grid between, you know, two regions is probably pretty far away just because of the different stages of that evolution. But um, we see the trends um, um, in terms of smart uh, smart um, grid uh, modernization to be uh, pretty same, but at different uh, phases uh, between those, uh, between the regions. And some of the challenges are also local, so utilities have to address those local challenges that are different, uh, you know, uh, region by region as well. When we're talking about this kind of perspective, uh, technology going forward, one thing uh, that we should talk about is kind of how this, what this means for uh, customer customer relations, because the, the, you know, the customer is a large part of what's driving the the push for digital digitalization because they want easier they want easier ways to communicate with their utility and have access to 
all this data. And uh, I'm wondering if what cut uh, if what customers are demanding in each of these regions is different, and if that's causing differences in priorities, or if if there's just a set of customer service best practices that uh, customer customer service is the wrong word, if customer relations best practices that are universal that are uh, that are driving in a, that are driving innovation globally. I would say um, uh, today um, the base customer expectation for uh, for utility is affordable, reliable power. But there is a growing number of consumers that have high expectations, uh, which present utilities with a lot of opportunities because they have come to expect that level of engagement from um, their other providers, such as um, maybe telecom, cable services, et cetera. Um, so according to a survey um, that was conducted by uh, Deloitte, 50% of customers uh, said they were interested in purchasing solar and storage from their utility, and their primary motivation was reducing costs, but they were also uh, motivated by uh, preserving the environment. Uh, as and then as consumers also become producers with uh, residential level solar, uh, utilities will need to closely work with consumers to make that partnership a, a success. Consumers also will be more active in how they use energy. So as technology evolves and consumer expectations change, utilities will need solutions to better connect uh, with their customers. These solutions um, can include a range of services from integrating smart thermostats uh, to building you know, a mobile application that allows customers to see their usage patterns to strategies to curb uh, demand in terms of, you know, how they use their energy through demand response programs. The shift that uh, we would expect uh, will be uh, new ways of communicating and new new product um, offerings to their uh, utilities, offering to their consumers. Um, this includes like bring your own device. Um, so utilities before used to have specific programs, but now they're giving consumers more choice and um, allowing integrating those devices um, uh, with the utilities uh, infrastructure. Um, then there's the digital delivery of programs more consumers uh, like to interact with their service providers through mobile apps and social media. So we see a growth um, in that arena as well. And I think uh, this is uh, not just um, in North America. That is uh, pretty much the way most consumers behave uh, across the globe. I agree with Kumi. I think it's just there isn't one you know, package or, or one set solution that you that uh, we can give utilities and say, hey, go ahead and do this and your customers are going to be incredibly happy. I think the shift with customers is really around, you know, control, choice, and comfort. 
um, within their within their home comfort within their home you know having a choice around what type of energy they're consuming like kumi mentioned um is it good for the environment um and these things are are driving um driving consumers actions as well as cost savings but i i think that there's just this big emphasis on the customer being able to make more choices in general um and then just understanding yeah how they feel like they can effectively communicate with their utilities. A lot of the times today, utilities don't really know the best way to engage with customers. And I think that the reverse is true. Customers aren't really sure on the best way to to interact with their utility if they feel like they really need to. Um, and so we'll start seeing utilities use more social media, um, maybe texting, online application or online yeah online applications platforms websites um so that i think customers just have a better understanding in general about how the utility is providing them service and where it can go in the future i'm not saying that utilities need to be sharing their extensive you know 10-year digitalization strategy with customers um, but i think just increasing that communication overall in general uh, will benefit utilities, and then um, moving towards marketing what or or serving the customer um, to the level of the individual customer, as opposed to just groups of customers. How do you start to make um, your service um, really a lot more individualized um, in this industry, which is a very new concept and definitely not something um, that energy has been centered around, you know, for the past hundred years or so. Um, so really thinking about how do you start to make things more individualized um, as you're providing services and programs is, is really important. So uh, before we go, I have a fun hypothetical, I think, uh, that I wanted to ask the both of you. Uh, Aaron, I'll start with you. Uh, since we're talking about you know mind, mindset shifts, that's harder to say than I thought. Because we're talking about mindset shifts uh, and things happening at, in a disjointed way. Uh, Aaron, if you could just like sit down the energy industry as a whole and you could get in their face and say, hey, you got to change this thing. What would, what, would you, what would you say to them? I'm going to take this in a very simple, literal way and something that I think could maybe be pretty realistic in, in terms of happening and it's customer facing. So today, as I've only been in this industry for about three years now, and there is clearly a you know big conversation around how do utilities continue to satisfy customers. Um, but if you go out and you talk to a lot of people outside of the industry, your friends, your relatives, um, your your coworkers, there is still an exceptional amount of people, Dylan, that cannot read a utility bill. I'm not kidding. It's you talk to people, and I I mean, people get you know noticeably frustrated telling me that they still can't read their utility bill, and a lot of different things are are being done to take action around this that we had mentioned: social media, texting, other things like that. But I think I would just have to sit them down and say, you guys have got to do something that resonates a lot better with the masses because like I said there's just an astonishing amount of people that still don't know 
what the heck their utility bill says, what they're getting charged for. Um, so I, I think that's what I would focus on because it may be the most realistic thing to try to solve, but maybe I'm just being far-fetched in that. So I'm going to go with that as my answer, but I feel like I could come up with a many, with many different um, problems I would like for them to solve. So, uh, Kumi, same question. Uh, what If you could just sit down the energy industry as a whole and get in their face and tell them to change something, what would it be? Um, so since Aaron went down the consumer route, I would talk to uh, how things could, um, you know, change for the utility overall, um, come considering just the whack-a-mole um, uh, discussion that we just had. Um, so I think the most important thing is having a vision um, and then executing that vision uh, from the top down, uh, looking at what is um, available today, but also planning uh, with the future in mind, making sure that um, that we are ready for the future, making the right investments and pacing those investments along that path uh, would be the most important. And making sure that the ecosystem um, and the partners that they choose support that execution um, uh, versus uh, doing the back of more, I think, is the most important thing because uh, that's going to set up for a more holistic um, ecosystem where utilities, uh, you know, can understand what is happening on the grid at higher resolution and higher frequency, and they can predict and plan and react to those conditions as more uh, distributed assets uh, come online and more new applications uh, will need to be dispatched. Dylan, what yes. what about you? How would you answer that question? I'm not trying to. I'm not going to knock on you and say you know you don't know as much as Kumi and I about the industry, but you have a different perspective, right? Like you really are more of a just a consumer um, of the industry. So if you could go and talk to utilities and say, hey, I need you to to solve this problem, what would it be from your perspective? Well, for starters, I would sit them down and I would say, hey. When you're catering lunches and dinners at your events, you need to think about vegetarian options because for the most part, you're generally stuck with the overcooked grilled vegetables that are in every buffet and that one, that salad that's basically just just iceberg lettuce and shredded carrots, which is really just bare minimum, bare minimum out of a bag stuff. And, I, uh, and then like cupcakes, which like that's... It, it's really it's really hard to go vegetarian at a utility event, but that's beside the point. Uh, for for something that actually matters, I think that utilities need to educate consumers about what a utility does and how what they're going to be in the future, so that it's what they know about these smart devices aren't just isn't just going to be when the utility shows up and installs a smart meter on their house one day. I think it behooves. Uh, the energy industry that customers know what it is we do other than just turning their lights on. I think if we have 
that'll if if they have that knowledge base, if we do that education work, then there's going to be a there's going to be much clearer avenues of communication, and also utilities are going to be getting a lot more feedback about what solutions are working and what solutions maybe they need to try. So it's yeah, it sounds like you just want in general a you know a better understanding or more clear vision from utility and what just kind of what they're thinking in terms of, you know, customers and how you feel like your energy future is going to be shaped. So you just kind of want to hear more from your utility and what that what that future energy world looks like and kind of guided down that path by them, Dylan, would you, would you say that that's kind of representative of what you're trying to say? Yeah, that and more. So they're doing some of this already, but like more of it, like, go, like going into schools, having, having resources available online uh, for people to look up, look up the information that they need, that they need or that they want, uh, you know, taking out ad time to explain a couple of things is that, that sort of thing. But yeah, on a, on a high level, that's, that's what I'm getting. At. You know, and personally, as a consumer, uh, for example, I I would like to see you know what their supply mix is, right? Um, how you know the energy I'm consuming, where that comes from. That would be really great if I could see that because it would help me understand how I'm helping the environment. Um, uh, you know where my costs come from. I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, I think things like that are going to be very impactful because they help, um, you know, kind of solidify this this industry or it, it kind of takes what's so abstract about energy to so many people. There's so many things that they don't understand about the way energy is consumed, where it comes from, how it gets there, how much they're using. Um, yeah, I think if we can start giving people simple numbers like that, it'll be more impactful because then it starts to resonate with the person okay, this is what my actual impact is you know, on the environment. And I know this because of X, Y, and Z, because of this information that my utility has given me. I, I agree with you on that. I think that would be incredibly impactful. Yeah, that's a great idea. I didn't even think about that. But I, I, yeah, I think, uh, I think what we're all sort of getting at here is that there's a certain level of uh, transparency and communication that, that's needed between the industry and the, and the public. And I think that a shift in that could could definitely help address all of these concerns about communication and about how to shift the mindset. Because when there's more people involved in the discussion, you can get a lot more you can get a lot more solid an idea of how what you're doing and how your plan plays with your public. So uh, yeah, I think that's a it's a great place to leave it. We covered a lot. We covered a lot of ground here. Uh, so thank you very much for being on Kumi. It was a very engaging discussion. Uh, thank you guys. Uh, happy to participate. Uh, it was fun. Thanks for, yeah. Thanks for being on, uh, Aaron, thanks for being here as well. Having this discussion with us. Yeah. Thanks Dylan. Thanks for asking the hypothetical question. I know I'm, I'm going to be thinking about that all week on how, um, how I could have had plenty of different answers for that. So thank you for that. You're going to meet in the shower and just, and just be like, ah, oh, distributed energy or something like that. I don't, I don't <laughs> know what the better answer is. If you want to find our research in media, you can go to etsinsights.com. That paper uh, on grid modernization and distribution automation that we did with Clara, we mentioned it earlier. That's on there. 
if you're interested in, in attending or just looking up our, our Start at ETS startup competition, you can go to start18.co. You can also find us on social media at zprime underscore research at dylockwood at Aaron underscore Hardick. My name is Dylan, and we'll see you all next time. <laughs>